Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. A lot of developments uh, over the weekend, but I want to focus today on an institution. I know a lot about, namely the United States uh, Supreme Court. Um, I was a law clerk there um, back uh, in 1963 to 64. I have argued in front of it. I know most of the justices uh, and have been friendly with some uh, beyond just knowing them. Um, Steve Breyer uh, has been a close friend for for 50 years. Um, So it's an institution of which I'm very familiar and an institution I generally admire, but it's in it's in trouble. It's in real trouble these days. It's the criteria of support for it uh, have gone down considerably. Um, It's still not as low as Congress or the presidency, but it's a lot lower than it used to be. Some of it are self-inflicted wounds. Some of them may be partisan. Uh, we'll talk about all of those issues, but let, let me start with what's been in, in the headlines. Um, obviously, over the weekend, several things have happened. Number one, Justice Alito gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal in which <laughs> he said, I think I may know who was the leaker, who was the person who leaked the draft opinion in the Barnes case, the decision that Alito himself wrote, which overruled Roe versus Wade. But he's not telling us. Uh, He says, understandably, I think I know who it is, but I don't have enough hard evidence to make any public disclosure. Well, he's right not to do that, because if he makes a public disclosure and accuses somebody of being the leaker and he's wrong, Um, he could be sued for libel. Yes, a Supreme Court justice can be sued for libel, Uh, not for writing opinions or saying anything from the bench. But if he were to tell the Wall Street Journal that uh, Ms. X or Mr. X um, was the source of the leak and he was wrong, um, uh, he could be sued for libel, especially since Mr. and Mrs. Mr. and Ms. X are probably not public figures. And so there wouldn't have to be uh, malice proved. All they have to prove is that what he said was wrong. We'll, we'll get back to malice and talk about that, uh, probably if not in this show and in other shows, because it's created a real barrier to holding the media responsible for quite deliberate uh, lies uh, often. So that's one issue. Um, and and I have a question about it. If, if Justice Alito thinks he knows who did it, I understand them not telling the Wall Street Journal. That I understand, not publicly accusing somebody without a firmer basis. But he surely should go to the marshal. Remember that Chief Justice Roberts assigned the marshal's office, totally inadequate uh, ability to do hard, difficult investigations. But he assigned the marshal's office 
to do the investigation. And I would think that Justice Alito ought to go to the marshal's office and say, look, I can tell you in confidence not to be published, not to be publicized, but I think Ms. X was the person who did the leak, and here are the reasons I think so. He must have reasons. He's not just doing it based on gossip. And there is some gossip around the courthouse about these kinds of things. But um, And he's already told us that he's sure it's not a justice. And he's kind of implied it was somebody who was opposed to the overruling of Roe versus Wade, which makes a lot of, a lot of sense. Not necessarily conclusive, but he's saying that. Um, which really limits the number of people who could be the leakers to probably a couple of dozen at the most, probably around 20 people, maybe. Um, he should go to the marshal and the chief justice and say to them, look, I'm not going to make a public accusation, but this is the person I think who did it. And this is the reasons that I think he or she did it. And you should focus your investigation on that person. And the marshal could then reopen the investigation and call that person in, interrogate them to a greater extent. They've been interrogated as part of just a larger group of all the law clerks, present them, confront them with whatever evidence Justice Alito has, maybe make them take a lie detector test, certainly make them swear under oath, subject to a perjury prosecution, that they didn't do it. Ask them if they know who did do it, because I suspect that there are some law clerks that know who did it. I know there are some rumors, but I suspect that whoever did it may have bragged about it to some close friends. After all, that person probably thought of themselves as a hero. Um, the goal was to try to prevent the reversal of Roe versus Wade. So if Alito, who's a really nice guy, I like him very much. I think I've told you that Alito sat next to me at the dinner honoring the law clerks who had been clerks 50 years earlier and told me I was one of the reasons he became a criminal a lawyer prosecutor because of a case that I argued in front of a judge that he was the law clerk to. So I was very flattered and very complimented, and he was very nice to me. But I do think he owes a duty to the institution to share his information on a confidential basis with uh, people who are supposed to do the investigation. Um, after all, the people who did the investigation may also have a suspicion about who it might be, but they said, they don't have evidence that rises to the level of a preponderance of the evidence. That's the civil standard. If you sue me or I sue you, the Trump case that's going on right now, uh, she has to prove just by a preponderance of the evidence, 50.1% to 49.9%, that she's right and he's wrong. Uh, so maybe it doesn't rise to the level of 51%, but it may rise to the level of probable cause. Probable cause is much less than... 50 or 51 percent. Nobody knows what any of these things mean. Probable cause, proof beyond reasonable doubt, proof by a preponderance. There, there have been studies that show different judges have tremendously different views of what these kind of vague phrases mean. But probable cause essentially means that, you know, it's, it's uh, somewhat likely that a person did it. And that's usually enough to get a search warrant, usually enough to um, uh, get an arrest warrant, um, enough to uh, summon them uh, for further interrogation. Um, and maybe there is enough there. Maybe there's enough to meet the standard of, um, 
of probable cause. If so, maybe further steps could be taken. Now, you know, then there's the nuclear weapon, which, you know, if there's ever a case where it was appropriate, this might be it. The nuclear weapon, of course, is for Congress or the Justice Department. The Justice Department certainly should be able to investigate this. Probably, almost certainly, a crime has been committed. What crime? Well, if the person swore under oath he didn't do it and he did do it, that's perjury. But there also might be a crime of um, obstructing the workings of the Supreme Court. After all, this wasn't just an ordinary leak. It wasn't, gee, we found out this information about government corruption. We want the newspapers to run the story. This was part of a plan to prevent the Supreme Court from overruling Roe versus Wade. This had a goal. And we know that it may very well have contributed to the attempted assassination of Justice um, Kavanaugh because Kavanaugh was thought to be the swing vote, the undecided vote. If he had gone the other way, Roe versus Wade would not have been overruled. And so you could easily imagine some zealot saying, oh, if I kill Kavanaugh, the vote will be four to four and, and, and the, it, it won't uh, uh, be a precedent for the Supreme Court overruling Roe versus Wade. Nobody knows what the motives were or whether or whether or not the person who did it was aware of the leak. Almost certainly he was, but we can't know that for certain. Maybe we'll learn that um, at, at the trial. But this was not a leak, just a leak. It was a plan. It was a plot. Also, this guy was not a whistleblower. Whistleblowers generally expose government corruption. This guy didn't expose any government corruption. He exposed the workings of the Supreme Court, the inner workings of the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court was working properly. He didn't agree with the decision, neither did I. I didn't think that the Supreme Court should overrule Roe versus Wade, especially since that wasn't presented in this case. The case only presented the issue of whether or not the Mississippi statute, which prohibited abortion after 15 weeks, was constitutional. It could easily have held, yes, it, it uh, uh, was constitutional, and abortions are only permitted in the first 15 weeks, that wouldn't have overruled Roe versus Wade, and it would have affirmed the Mississippi statute's constitutionality. And that's, of course, what Chief Justice Roberts wanted the court to do and wrote a concurring opinion. I'm disappointed that he didn't write a dissenting opinion, but it was a concurring opinion. And um, um, uh, it, But there were five, even without him. So his concurring or dissenting opinion didn't affect the outcome. There were five justices who said, we have to overrule Roe versus Wade. And so Roe versus Wade has officially been overruled by a five to four majority. Will it will Barnes be overruled by a subsequent majority? If if some Democrats get their way, it, it, it will happen sooner rather than later because they would like to pack the court with four more Democrats and overrule Barnes. Uh, that's not going to happen. It would happen if the squad got its way and uh, other radicals on the Democratic side got their way, but Biden has so far been opposed to it. And I think the leaders of the Democratic Party are, although they're tempted, uh, are opposed to it as well. So that's one big issue, the leak. Uh, there's another big issue that's come up this weekend. Um, there was a big article in the New York Times about the Scalia lawsuit. You, you know, too, that I was friends with Scalia, and uh, we disagreed about almost everything. I knew his father at Brooklyn College, and Nino and I spent a lot of time talking to each other. We were in Israel together. We spent some time in Washington. Um, uh, I liked him very much. Uh, he came to my class. We argued. Uh, we had a dinner for him. Um, 
And they named a law school after him. And the big article in the Times said, gee, this law school is trying to capitalize on the name and it's um, bringing people like Justice Gorsuch to teach. And um, it raised the question, is that proper? Isn't it proper? Well, you know, the same article could have been written about Harvard, Yale, Columbia, uh, Stanford law schools. They also uh, bring professors uh, or as professors or visiting professors or lecturers justices and 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 judges the connections between law schools and justices goes back a long long time many justices have taught part-time at 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 law schools but this was a hit piece and uh you know a little bit partisan you wonder if the times would have written the piece had it had the shoe been on the other foot had it been a liberal law school uh which were sending liberal justices off to Florence and Venice and, and other beautiful cities in Europe to teach a couple of hours a day and vacation at the expense of the, of the school. That's been historically one of the perks that justices uh, do, do get. Um, connected with that was the ar articles that talked about Justice Thomas and his connections to a multi-billionaire named Crow who's active in Republican politics. Um, he vacationed, Thomas vacationed in Crow's properties and uh, uh, vacationed along with um, people from the Federalist Society. Again, uh, again, uh, would that be a New York Times story if the shoe were on the other foot? And, and, and the final point is um, relating to this is Chief Justice Roberts' refusal to testify uh, or declination to testify in front of a, a House committee looking into perhaps passing um, some ethics requirements for justices. I am completely in favor of justices being bound by the same ethics requirements that bind lower court judges. I think the Congress has the constitutional authority uh, uh, to do that. It's uh, for years it was thought maybe it wasn't needed because the justice was so ethical. And, and there was a time when maybe it wasn't. I think back to my days in the Supreme Court. Early in my um, tenure as a as a law clerk was just one year. I had a year before that was a court of appeals judge, but um, I, I walked into the office one morning and there was this beautiful basket of fruit. Um, and I had rushed; I hadn't had breakfast, and uh, you know it had a card on it, but, but I didn't read the card. Uh, it was for Justice Goldberg, and he was always very generous. So I took a banana and I ate the banana. Justice Goldberg came out of his office and said what's this? Uh, and he looked at the card and he said, oh my God, you know who that's from? That's from Kate Graham. Who's Kate Graham? Kate Graham was the publisher of the Washington Post. That was when the Supreme Court had before it the case of New York Times versus Sullivan. It didn't directly involve the Washington Post, but it obviously had a big impact on all newspapers. And so he said to his secretary, call Kate. He was Kate was a good friend of his, uh, called Kate and said, please have somebody go pick up that, uh, that uh, fruit basket. I can't accept anything from somebody who is a, uh, uh, has an interest in a Supreme Court decision. And I said, kind of very hesitantly, Mr. Justice, I ate a banana. And Goldberg looked at me and said, you ate a banana from that fruit? You go to the store right this minute, you buy a banana, same size, and you put that banana 
back in the basket and then we send it back. My law clerks are not eating bananas that are given by people like Kate Graham who have an interest in the Supreme Court. That was the kind of ethics that I was brought up with. Another uh, situation, it was much like it. In those days before the Kennedy assassination, I was in the Supreme Court when Kennedy was assassinated and the justices all watched the results, tragic results of the assassination on a little TV in my little cubicle because I was the only one who had a TV because I was a baseball fan. I'd just taken the TV to watch the World Series and hadn't given it back. And um, uh, before the Kennedy assassination, anybody could walk up the steps of the Supreme Court, knock on the door of a justice. Um, the secretary would open the door or he would just walk in and say, I'd like to see the justice. Well, let me check if the justice is busy. But, you know, it was like an, any congressional office after Kennedy assassination, obviously, bars were put up and that wasn't the case. But early before the Kennedy assassination, I was alone in the um, office. Everybody else was out for lunch or maybe it was early in the morning. I don't remember. I used to get in quite early. Um, and a guy introduces himself to me and says, hi, my name is Mr. Wolfson. I'm a big admirer of Justice Goldberg. And I know that he used to be a great uh, lawyer made a lot of money as a labor lawyer, and now he's, uh, you know, the salary is what was it, eighty thousand dollars or something at the time. Uh, I've set up a foundation in order to supplement the income of government officials who have taken substantial losses of income. Would you ask the justice whether he's willing to see me to talk about that? And so I said, well, let me take your number and I'll, I'll call you back. And so I took his number. I wanted to see the justice. Justice got furious at me. You should never have even talked to that guy. He has a case in front of the Supreme. Those days it was the lower court. It was an SEC violation. And obviously it was an attempt to bribe Justice Goldberg indirectly to tell you how quickly things changed when Justice Goldberg ultimately left the Supreme Court to go to the UN. He was replaced by Abe Fortas, who took the money from Wolfson and had to leave the Supreme Court. As the result of that, but Justice Goldberg wouldn't even dream of, of, of doing that. Look, I think there has to be a code of uh, professional responsibility for, for justices. And they have to know whether they're entitled to go on a vacation at the home of a wealthy guy, even if he doesn't have a case in, in front of them. Uh, there have to be strict rules. And, you know, people are very law abiding uh, generally and rule abiding. But if you don't have rules, uh, it's very hard. I think for a minute, just to change the subject of my friend, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel, who has been indicted for taking champagne and I don't know, a few trinkets and and some other cigars uh, from 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 people who might have business in, in Israel. And and there's no statute in Israel uh, forbidding that. Basically, it says you can't take too much. But what's too much? Is it $100? Is it $1,000? I know I joked. I was on Israeli television. And I said, well, you know, if it's a crime to take anything from a prime minister, then I've probably participated in a crime because every time I go and have dinner with Bibi and his wife, I always bring them one of my books. Um, and uh, I said, fortunately for them, uh, there's no problem because my books are worthless. But, um, but you know, I, I could easily imagine bringing him cigars or bringing him a bottle of wine. I didn't, but others did. And there have to be rules. They can't be left up to prosecutors or, or members of Congress to decide after the fact 
when is too much too much? So I think there's a lot of work to be done uh, on the Supreme Court. I think the Supreme Court's going to get itself into a lot of trouble in, in years to come because by overruling Roe versus Wade, instead of limiting it to the case before them, they lock themselves into the likelihood that they're going to have to uphold the constitutionality of state statutes that prohibit the morning after pill, the week after pill, the month after pill, and Americans won't stand for that. Uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of Americans oppose late abortions, late-term abortions, but the same vast, vast majority support early-term abortions, especially very early-term abortions, like a few days. But if you take logically the decision of the Supreme Court in the Barnes case, the morning after pill can be struck down and made illegal by any state because the right to procreate, constitutional right, uh, which many people think is implicit in the Fourth Amendment and the Ninth Amendment, the, the right of a woman to choose to uh, end a pregnancy is not protected at any stage, at any stage, not 15 weeks, not 10 weeks, not one week. So the Supreme Court is locked into either saying, whoops, we didn't mean it, uh, or uh, upholding state statutes, and there are already some of the works that ban all abortion pills, and that will create a real revolution. Um, mothers and fathers just don't want their daughters to have to, if they're 16 years old and they've been raped, uh, or even if they just made a mistake and were 16 or 17 or 18 years old, to have to bear a child uh, I understand the arguments on the other side, too. I'm just reporting to you what the American public believes. And the Supreme Court has gotten itself locked into um, a dilemma, which I don't know how they're going to work their way out of. So stay tuned. We'll be talking more about the Supreme Court. We'll be seeing whether the Justice Alito disclosure leads to anything further. This leak has to be solved. Otherwise, the credibility of the court is really torn there are a lot of people who think the reason that the leaker hasn't been disclosed is because there are people who don't want it to be disclosed. Uh, there are people who don't who think the damage has been done and it would only cause more damage at this point to have a big deal about a particular young woman or man. I don't agree with that. I think what that leaker did was inexcusable. You know, you could argue that that person was a civil disobedient. Well, civil disobedience like Martin Luther King came forward and paid the consequences, went to jail. So if this person wants to hold themselves out as a civil disobedient, uh, let them come forward and, and admit what they did rather than putting a stain on all the other law clerks. So interested in your views on the, on the Supreme Court. Uh, courts are in the news. The Israel Supreme Court's in the news. The American Supreme Court's in the news. Um, a lot of it is partisan bickering. Uh, when people disagree with the decisions of the court, they tend to be more critical of the justices and their ethics. There has to be a single standard. And uh, I'd like to hear from you what you think that single standard should be. All right, let's go to some letters. Uh, we can start with a nice one. Another great class in constitutional law. I cannot believe I'm getting a Harvard Law education for free on Rumble. Um, uh, shame that President Trump is constantly being dragged into one witch trial after another. I wish Allen would speak out more against the corrupted legal system 
that allows lawyers to make so much money. This is a, a full employment situation for, for lawyers. I think President Biden commented on that in his speech to the newspaper group uh, on Saturday night, where he said employment is up and that doesn't even count the hundreds of lawyers who have gotten jobs as a result of Trump's problems. Yeah, funny. Um, this is a funny one. Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson should do a joint show on Rumble. It would be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. It would be a throwback to the old shows when, you know, conservatives and liberals uh, would actually argue with each other and then then shake hands um, uh, afterward. Um, but uh, I think those days are gone. Those days are gone forever. So I don't think either would agree to be on with the other. Uh, CNN won't even have me or MSNBC. Um, I'm a, you know, a liberal Democrat, takes moderate positions on things, but I don't follow their narrative or their party line, so they don't want to have me at all. Unfortunately, I also don't follow um, the party line of anybody on the right, Fox or Newsmax, but so far they've been willing to have me and allowing me to express my own uh, particular views, whether or not they agree with uh, the general views that are expressed <clears throat> on both of those kind of conservative stations. Okay. This is a reference to the rape trial that's going on now involving uh, defamation and Donald Trump. 25 years ago was not even nearly the worst of it. More like it was around 25 years ago. I'm not sure what year it was. I think it was a Thursday. It's impossible. It's impossible to defend against that. I got a lot of letters like that. And they're absolutely right. And related to that, the problem in general, Professor, is that the allegation once made permanently damages the good name of the accused. Believe me, I know that. There are still people out there, still people out there who believe that I had you know, sex with one of Epstein's um, young women, even though the accuser has now admitted that, oh, after years, she's now... Uh, recognize that she may have made a mistake and misidentified me. Uh, but there are still people who believe it, people who think I paid her off, people who think, um, you know, uh, it was just some kind of a deal. <clears throat> they believed her when she made the accusation, but they don't believe her when she said, um, I may have made a mistake. Um, I think you should take very seriously the statement that she may have made a mistake and may may have misidentified me or confused me with someone else. Um, okay. Um, it's interesting. I, I cited on, on the show last week uh, the biblical prohibition in the Ten Commandments, um, the do not bear false witness. And I said, mistakenly, turns out that the commentators, well, it wasn't mistaken. It's true. The commentators have said that if a person falsely accuses somebody of a, a serious crime like rape uh, uh, or like murder or like robbery or like anything else, that if the, if the accusation turns out to be false, the false accuser should receive the same punishment that the person who she or he accused would have gotten. I said the commentator said that. That's true, but it's also in the Bible itself. Um, in the um, uh, book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter uh, 19 and sentence 19. Thank you, Scott Whitman, for uh, bringing it to my attention. Uh, also says the same thing. And it says that in order to deter um, uh, false witnesses and false testimony, the person who 
made a false statement should be receiving the same punishment that the person would have received had the um, uh, accusation been followed through. So it's in the Bible itself. And I agree with it 100%. I think anybody who deliberately and willfully makes a false accusation should receive the same punishment that the person would have received had the accusation been true. I'd like to see legislation on that. I'd like to see it enforced. Today, it's not enforced. Today, women know that they can get away with it, and many do, um, and just make money. Uh, I have a lawyer friend uh, who says she writes checks all the time uh, to women who've come forward and say they had sex with this Hollywood personality, that Hollywood personality. The Hollywood people never heard of them, but easier to write a $100,000 check than to incur the damage to one's reputation, or in my case, not only damage to my reputation, but $5 million uh, of what the cost was essentially for me uh, to defend myself. Uh, and uh, so $100,000 seems cheap. And a lot, of, a lot of lawyers are writing out checks, uh, paying people off from this kind of extortionate, extortionate conduct. And, uh, and anybody who engages in that kind of conduct ought to also be prosecuted to the limits of the law. And, uh, okay. Professor, the University of Oklahoma is going to have five, five different graduation ceremonies uh, based on students' race and how they identify. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I know that there are different graduation ceremonies for people based on on race and 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 other characteristics. You know, racial segregation was wrong when it was practiced back in the Jim Crow days. When you go to a college, you become part of the college and you should graduate with all the members of your class. There shouldn't be separate graduations for uh, African-Americans and white Americans for uh, Latinos. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to have a separate graduation for Jews. Oh, no, you can't come to the Gentile graduation. You're Jewish. You go to the Jewish graduation and you can graduate only with the other Jews in, in, in the class. Um, you know, what's going on here? Uh, when, you, when you attend a college, you attend the whole college. And, and you graduate as a graduate of that college, not as a black graduate of the college, a Jewish graduate, a gay graduate, a trans, you know, there are so many categories into which you could break people down. Uh, the ultimate result is going to be a graduation, separate graduation for every single individual. Um, no, this tribalism just has to stop. And it should stop at college. And colleges shouldn't tolerate that. Look, if people want to have a party after graduation and invite their friends, okay, you would hope that white people had black friends and black people had white friends and gay people had straight friends, et cetera. Um, you know, I always used to love to go to uh, the Ramadan breakfasts uh, uh, that my students would always invite me to. And I would love to go to them. Uh, you know, I'm Jewish, they're Muslim, but we're all Harvard people. And uh, we joined together and they came to Yom Kippur breakfasts. That's the way it ought to be. And I hope someday we'll get back to 
e pluribus unum. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.